When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Injured at work in a motor vehicle accident or had a fall in a public space? Speak to Your Claim Lawyers, a no-win, no-fee, personal injury claims law firm that specialises in maximising compensation claims for injured people. Call 1-800-YOUR-CLAIM or yourclaimlawyers.com.au. On SEN, the Captain's Run with Cane Corns. Oh, it's a big one. It's a big, big show. Hello and welcome to your Friday. And we've got you covered for the next three hours. one 736 736 is the number for those who contribute to the show. Prizes up for grabs as well. Big show. We're going to speak to former, former Port Adelaide Ford, Brett Eddy. He's been dominating in the NTFL up there. Just um, We'll find out whether... He wants another AFL lifeline, should that be called upon, and, and what the footy is like up there. Josh Felipe is an Australian superstar T20 batsman. He's the next big thing, was good with the bat in the Aussies, close loss to New Zealand in the second T20 game over there last night. He'll join us. Kautumi's going to give us a live update from Melbourne, taking on Richmond in their first practice match this morning. Brett Benici is a Collingwood AFLW star. She'll have a chat to us. We've got our usuals over and under. want to get you involved in that. The quiz is back and plenty of discussion points throughout the week. Would love to get you involved. That is the McCafe menu, and we'll get to it very, very shortly. But I do want to start the show like I always do with this. Well, what a week. Yesterday morning, AFL footy boss Stephen Hawking joined Gary and Tim to discuss the biggest issues confronting the game as we inch closer to the start of the season. The new rules, in particular, the change to the manning of the mark, were a hot topic, which we will address a little bit later on in the program. But there was much to dissect from that interview. However, I was particularly taken aback by Hawking's comments about the challenges facing our AFL umpires. It is a difficult game to officiate. And so, you know, you, you have debate, you have um, you know, really open dialogue around it because they're the ones that have to um, implement it and officiate on it. But there's a, there's, a, there's a responsibility on the players and the coaches to get this right as well. And, and so it's not just all laying at the, uh, the umpire's feet. Did I hear that right? The responsibility doesn't just rest on the umpires to officiate the game accurately, but it also lies at the feet of the coaches and the players. But what he neglected to mention was the responsibility that he and the AFL have in making sure the game isn't impossible to umpire accurately. Unfortunately, I reckon that's fast becoming a reality. You ought to think of it this way. To be a successful umpire, you need to be capable of doing the following. Run up to 15Ks a game. Now, most of that is at a high speed. You've got to bounce an odd-shaped ball about 10 metres straight up in the air. If it's a touch-off centre, you suffer the embarrassment of blowing the whistle, halting the play and recalling the ball before throwing it up again anticlimactically. 
It's exhausting physical work for these part-timers who on average are closer to 40 than they are 30 years of age. But the physical test is the easy part. Then they've got to make thousands of decisions in real time, such as who's putting their hand up to nominate for a ruck contest and were there only two rucks contesting at that stoppage? When someone takes a mark or gets a free kick, they have to make a call on whether the opposition playing running past at full speed placed a toenail inside the protected 10-metre zone. Additionally, they now need to decide if the man on the mark took a half step to the side. Now, if he did, you must ping him with a game-changing 50-metre penalty that may result in a goal and change the momentum of the entire game. What we learnt during the week, that no longer can a player do the buddy arc and step off the line whilst having a shot for goal. Umpy, did he play on or not? They are, of course, doing all of these decisions while counting down the 30-second shot clock in their heads to make sure the kicker didn't go over the allotted time. Now, don't get me started on the holding the ball adjudication. Did that player have prior opportunity or not? Did he dispose of the ball legally when he was tackled? And what was it that Clarko changed to the rule mid-last season? The umps better be up to speed with a constant change in interpretations from AFL House. Up the other end, did the defender do everything he could to keep the ball in play when he cleared the 50-metre zone? Or should the umpire penalise him for deliberate out-of-bounds? In the previous marking contest, did the backman chop the arm of the forward or was that just his man exaggerating contact? Did Dylan Grimes dive or should we give him a free kick? And there's not the luxury of DRS like there is in cricket or Hawkeye in tennis. A coach can't chuck chuck a red challenge flag like they do in the NFL or motion with a helicopter signal as seen in the NBA to have another look at a bad decision. Should an umpire make a howler, he's made a howler. A bad decision is a bad decision. There's no video replay to let him off. Now, after all that's done, and if they weren't distracted or exhausted enough, let's make them sit down and vote on the most prestigious award our game will ever have to offer, the Brownlow Medal. I reckon I've been pretty hard on the umps during my time in the media, but when I sat down to think about it this week, on the back of even more unnecessary rule changes to our game, I realise it's not the umpires I should be frustrated at, it's the lawmakers who continue to tinker with the game and make the umpire's task nearly impossible. AFL is the hardest sport to successfully officiate in the world, and this week we just made it even harder. Who'd be an AFL umpire? one 736 736 for you to join in the conversation with us this morning. So Stephen Hawking reckons it's up to the players and the coaches to make life easier on the umpires. Well, how about they make it easier on the umpires? I just think the unnecessary rule changes that we've brought in this week, and and they may seem minor, and whether we've overcooked this new man-on-the-mark rule remains to be seen. I guarantee you there will be 50-metre penalties paid that will result in the outcome of the game being changed for the most minor of indiscretions, and that is the man on mark just shuffling sideways, as we saw from the example that Essendon released during the week, which absolutely went viral on social media. We're also not allowing the player having a shot for goal. Say a Daniel Rich has got a kick from outside 50. He's trying to 
get that extra bit of distance. He's just going to wheel out to the left a little bit, as all good left footers do. That That's play on. The umpires now has to decide on that. Did the player running through at full speed enter the 10-meter protected zone? Even though he had no influence on the play, if he did, you got to penalize him with a 50. And the most ridiculous of all is that we still require two grown AFL ruckmen to nominate at the ruck contest. And then we're going to bring the man on the mark back another five metres from a kick-in. Uh, we're going to reduce interchange. We're going to do all these sorts of things just to make life that little bit harder for the AFL umpires. It is highly frustrating. And I sense that a lot of you out there are frustrated as well. There's been a lot of apologists during the week in the media um, say that this new rule is going to be great for the game and it's going to increase scoring. It's going to open up things. I don't see it that way at all. I just think it's an unnecessary rule change that makes life that much harder for the umpires. Now it's time for you to have your say. Hayden's going to kick us off. He's an ex-umpire. Hayden, uh, welcome to you, mate, and it's great to have your expertise on the show. Um, what do you want to chat about? How hard is it, I guess, to be an AFL umpire? Yes, kind of. I'm actually, uh, I'm not a, I'm just in the Riddles District League. I'm still uh, umpiring. Uh, I'm 59. I actually only started a few years ago because of a shortage of umpires in the juniors. I'm just doing the juniors. But I couldn't agree with you more. Um, I think that the other thing that uh, we have to understand is that you've got to pass on most of these rules to the juniors, to the kids, so, so that mm. they can learn them. And it's, it, it is confusing enough now for the young kids and uh but 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 i do agree that uh the task of an umpire these days mentally is uh far more than the physical side and i i just it's obvious from what you're saying the number of decisions no wonder umpires we think that wrong so many times because there's so much to deal with and in the leagues out there where there's a shortage of umpires right around the place um there's only two umpires maximum and so uh, that's another issue. You can have three or four umpires in the, in the big league, but you've got less umpires. I mean, in the juniors, there's only one umpire. So mm. uh, I think that that's, yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah, well, we're, we, we're all guilty of being umpire bashes, and it's very easy to do it. But I just think what we've made is it impossible for the umpires to be to be accurate to the level that we expect. And it's going to be a big talking point this year. Umpiring will be on the agenda again. And the shortage of umpires is so obvious to the point where we're forcing, not forcing, but we have umpires that are getting up towards the age of 45 still being our best umpires in the game. And where's where's the 21, 22-year-old AFL umpires coming through? And why aren't we getting the talent coming through? Because it's impossible. And who would want that? Who would want this job and this task, even though they're, they're paid really well and it's, it's a great second job, but the scrutiny that comes with it is extraordinary and the, and the demands, we just keep making it harder and harder. So I reckon the AFL needs to have some responsibility on making the life of an umpire just that little bit easier, which they are failing to do at the moment and it's only got hard, harder. Thank you to you, Hayden. Let's go to John, who's on the road. G'day, John. You're at the North Melbourne and St Kilda game yesterday. What'd you see? Oh, look, it was very one-sided, but umpiring-wise, I couldn't agree with you more. And it hasn't been said, but yesterday there was 12 50-metre penalties paid, which resulted in eight goals. Now, it was an absolute farce, um, because it's just too harsh a penalty. Eight of those goals were kicked from the goal square. That was point number one. 
Point number two, there was old school, obviously, we're sitting on the, leaning on the front fence there. There was one occasion where one umpire called play on and the other one called 50. We just, and so did the umpires, and then they paid the 50. The third one, there's an easy way to manipulate this rule too, because what we were noticing is obviously the man on the mark's just a cone, a training cone. Mm-hmm. So if you get a free kick, you'd want your teammate to pick up that ball, throw it to you off centre, and away you go, because the poor bloke on the mark can't move. And it was happened a couple of times yesterday, and I reckon St Kilda's actually exploiting that, and it's quite clever. Um, mm. So... I just think it's 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 crazy, but it doesn't make the game any quicker. Yeah, you're going to kick more goals because they're all from the goal square, but it just stopped the game. Go through the the, the, the video. Um, Twelve fifty meter free kicks in the, that, that led to eight goals in the goal square. That's it's a good point. That's uh, a good point, John. And and shortly, I want to hear because Gary and Tim put that to uh, Stephen Hawking yesterday. He, he basically they basically said, well, why don't we? bring in a lesser penalty. Well, what have we, we thought about a 25-metre penalty? So we'll hear Stephen Hawking's response to that very shortly, but I want to get to our next caller. Uh, Matty James, good guy, umpired 206 AFL games between 1999 and 2010. He also umpired a very, very good grand final in 2004. He's been good enough to join us. Hey, Matty, uh, good to catch up, mate. Thanks for your call. Hey, Kane, how are you going? Can you give your expert opinion on how difficult we are making it for AFL umpires, or am I exaggerating it? No, no, okay, mate. I, it's, it, I don't think it's ever been more difficult for one umpire. And, you know, take out the, the scrutiny and, you know, the cameras and all that, that's a fait accompli. But it's just the constant uh, evolution and changing of the rules and, and bringing these intricacies Um I think umpires are there to, to get the major free kicks right, and I think that's probably sort of put the guys under a lot of pressure with all these other things that are now they've got to micromanage, and yeah, it's crazy, I think. So you were you were retired by uh, 2010, but the, the one I think is really difficult for an umpire is when this 10-metre protected zone, I, I think it's a ridiculous rule. Look, I get if, if a player's impeding and stopping the opposition from playing on and he's in the way, no worries, ping him. But if he just puts that toenail inside the 10, he's doing his best to clear the area and get out, yet that umpire's got to decide the distance, is he in there, and then you've got to pay the 50. That, that's an impossibility to always get them right, I reckon. Yeah, look, unless you're in the exact right position, and we know that, you know, the game's so quick that you see very rarely you're in the, that exact position. So, you know, depending on the angle that you're on, I think it's going to dictate what it, how it's going to look. And, you know, again, I know I'm playing in a grand final, but I just hate for one of these to be paid. And, uh, you know, not even in just in a grand final, in a normal game. You know, the, the, the consequences are pretty pretty large, and, you know, players are playing for their careers and, and clubs are battling. So, yeah, it's a... It's going to be an interesting thing to watch it out, uh, plan out the first six weeks, I think. Hey, before we let you go, why aren't we getting the young umpires coming through? Uh, we're seeing the likes of, you know, all, all of our best umpires are basically over the age of 40. Uh, you know, may, maybe that's a stretch, but most of the good ones are 40 plus or certainly high 30s. Why aren't we getting the young talent coming through? Uh, like, without potting anyone, Kane, it's, it's pretty clear that, you know, money in, in football gets invested in, in the players, and rightfully so, but until... You know, the AFL and the, and the lower leagues, the money goes down to that level for umpiring and makes it an attractive proposition. Um, it's going to be always hard. You know, there's always... Uh, young kids have choices and, you know, you know there's PlayStation and there's all these other, other opportunities. Mm. And I think other sports are doing things really well. Um, but sort of, 
I think the gap between the, the umpiring development and the player development and is just widening um, astronomically, and I think that's a major concern for, for umpiring. To be honest, more, more so for the competition and at the higher level because, uh, from what I've seen, there's not that much coming through as compared to what there was in the past. Good on you, mate. Appreciate your call. How good's that? How good's Talkback Radio? You, you, you go with the topic and you get an absolute expert coming on and sharing uh, his opinion and, and basically Matt James, a, a man who's umpired over 200 games, is just saying it is extremely difficult right now to be an AFL umpire. We are up and running. On the other side of this, we'll get to Mark, Tom, Peter on the line and there's heaps of text coming through on the temper text as well for a mattress like no other. The number's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Back to your calls after this. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, so what you'll see this year is we'll, we'll blow the whistle for a mark and at the same time we'll we'll have our arm up when we say stand. So that's a that's a a visual that if the player is unsure or wasn't sure whether he heard the term stand, he can look at us and, and see that we've actually said that's the spot. Um, as soon as the player plays on, so steps off his line of pick, we will call play on, and that is when the player on the mark can, can move either laterally or backwards or forwards. But essentially, once we call stand, the player on the mark um, needs to, they can jump up and down, but they can't move laterally or, or forward or back. As soon as we call play on, they're free to either yeah, run at the player or move to another part of the ground. So that's effectively what you'll see this year. And yeah, hopefully it goes as well as it, uh, as it did today. That's experienced AFL umpire Matt Stevick explaining the new stand rule. Sounds uh, much like Auskick. To me, uh, Mark's in Canberra. He wants to have his say on the difficulty of umpiring an AFL game. Welcome to you, Mark. Yeah, good morning, Kane. Okay, many years ago, I just want to make a couple of points. Many years ago on um, an ABC radio, there was a caller to uh, a coverage of one of the games who, and the, the, the commentators were sort of complaining about the umpiring or questioning the umpiring decisions. And this, this particular caller pointed out that there were four times more players on the ground than there were umpires. And that if, if, if spectators and fans wanted to blame anyone, have a look at the, at the mistakes the players make because they, they are ultimately the decisions that cost games. It's not, I mean, just because of, just because of, of the ratio. So I would love to see, I'd love to see the AFL do far more to support the umpiring fraternity by allowing, for example, umpires to be interviewed after games more often um, the marking of umpires is really good because people have to understand, firstly, that players make far, the number of players will make far more mistakes, and understand just how difficult umpiring is. But certainly, I mean, if the AFL wants to introduce these new rules, then they have to support the umpires in their commentary around the game, and allowing umpires to to explain decisions that they've made, say after games. Um, I think people just, spectators need to understand more just how difficult the umpiring job, the job of the umpiring umpire is. Good on you, Mark. And then the responsibility of the AFL to make the rules as easy as possible to officiate and not more difficult. Look, a lot of people want to have their say, so let's whip through a couple of those. Tom's in Seaford. G'day to you, Tom. Oh, g'day, Kane. Uh, Kane, I'm not sure whether this rule's going to survive. I mean, I'm not sure why it couldn't be made a two-step latitude, anything out of two steps and you're gone. But anyway... Mm. Uh, in terms of umpires, look, I've known that many um, people to chuck it in 
before the age of 21. Uh, a, um, the abuse, um, even idiots who have followed them home, posted their addresses online, uh, harassed them or their families in supermarkets. It's awful. It's absolutely awful. Now, they need... I don't know why they can't be paid full-time with a career path. If you're going to choose it, uh, you've really got to support these people. And ha imagine holding a second job down and doing it on top of it. Uh, yeah, well, it's quite, it's quite lucrative for them, Tom. Like, just... just Googling what they earn, like the the base wage is about sixty five thousand. Now, if you're a if you're one of the better AFL umpires, when you factor in match payments and they get extremely well paid for finals and grand finals, you, you can earn up to one hundred and fifty grand a year or a touch over. So you put that as just a second wage. That's why I think there's been a bit of pushback from the AFL umpires that they actually don't want to go full time because a lot of them are, are, are very successful professions. As, Lawyers and accountants and all sorts, so they, you know, it's a it's a very handy second income. That's why they don't. But if we're going to be serious about it, and if we keep changing the rules, and we're going to have umpires go out to trainings as they have been doing all preseason, it is a full time commitment to get this right. And the stakes are that high that we've got to get it right. So let's make the rules easier. And I'd be fully supportive, like you, of making it a full time profession. Let's get some of these younger more talented, good decision makers, good athletes coming through. Because at the moment, a lot of the umpires are, are aging towards 40. No doubt about that. Thanks, Tom. Let's go to Peter, who's on the road. You're at Essendon and Carlton live yesterday, mate. Yeah, no, I watched the stream. And uh, right. the umpiring was pretty good, I thought. The stand rule, I think there was only one 50-metre penalty. Um, but the stand of the game was pretty good. The only thing that I get annoyed at, and it's uh, because I'm a Bomber supporter, I know Rutten's is and you've played the game is filling space like to me i'm old school i'm 64. back in the day you had a man you played on your man this filling the space and even in throw-ins you see our midfielders telling guys to stand in space why not man up the thing that's what frustrates me the most because the amount of times carlton moved the ball out of the back line with short kicks and long kicks uncontested because we're filling space. It doesn't make sense to me. It does work. Filling space works. If you've got a highly disciplined, well-trained unit, it's, it is much more effective than playing on a man because simplistically, if you're playing on a man, you, you're dictated to by your opponent. He can run you wherever he likes and take you to positions you don't want to be in. So guarding space works, but you've got to be very good at it. We're going to get to G and Alan Robbie on the other side of the news headlines. Temper text, 0433981116, a mattress like no other. Chris says, well said. Why do they change the rule every year? Campbell says, I like the stand rule. I never thought about it before, but if the player with the ball has to run in a direct line, otherwise it's play on, then why should the player on the mark be able to move sideways? Could not agree with you more, Kane. So frustrating, says Daz and lots of others, which we'll work our way through this morning. Plenty of calls as well. You can get involved, one 736 736 G wants to chat about the new rules as well. Welcome to you. Yeah, thanks, Kane. Yeah, no, look, I have a couple of points. I just think, you know, I think also there needs to be a bit more stringency around the, the, the guy with the ball. Like, there seems to be... They get to deviate pretty quickly off the mark without a play on being called. So I think it needs to be fair both ways, if you know what I mean. So the umpire now has to look at the man on the mark, look at the guy with the ball, 
make a split decision about who's moved first, who's deviated, where the free kick is. I just think um, it's just way too much going on. You know, we had a situation yeah. yesterday at one of the games where two umpires, you know, called, you know, two composing, you know, free kicks. One called play under, the other one called 50 metres. It just seems really messy. And I also fear that the, the game the AFL are playing at the highest level is unrecognisable to suburban and country footy. I just, like, as these rule changes keep getting modified, it, it's almost like it's its own game. And that, that is the the, you, the root of the problem you've just described so well, and I, I tried to do it in the opening as well. So the umpire now has to look at where the mark is, what the spot on the ground is where the mark is. Has that player gone over that? Well, he can't do that. He's never been able to do that. Has he moved sideways? But he's also got to look at the guy with the ball. Has he deviated? Is it play on? Like you, you, you don't have that many eyes. I know there's three of them out there, but you just explained each of them will have a different interpretation. As we've had a couple of callers say in the practice game yesterday, one thought it was play on, one thought it was a fifty. Like they're, they're just never going to agree. It's impossible. What you've just described, it's it's impossible to be an AFL umpire, and that isn't at the root of the players and the coaches. Like Stephen Hawking tried to explain to Gary and Tim yesterday. That's at the root of the AFL for making it too hard on them and something's got to be done to make it just an easier job because, as we've heard from former umpires this morning, they agree it's too hard. Ange is in Croydon, good friend of the show. G'day to you, Ange. Good morning, Kane. Yeah, look, I don't think – I'm not a fan of the rule and I don't think I'm going to be angry watching this game um, at the umpire when he calls that decision because it's not his fault. This is an AFL issue here. This is their fault, not the umpires. This is about one decision that they make that I, I think they can interpret it quite easy. And it's not going to be their fault because the AFL has put the rule in. So I'm not going to be uh, you know, angry at the umpire or anything like that. This is because this rule came in because the, the AFL is a knee-jerk reaction because the, the scoring was at an all-time low last year. And this is what they're afraid of. They're, they want to see more goals. And if you look at the 89 grand final, you take out the dramas with Brereton and with Yates here and Dipper and all Dipper, that. You yeah. take out that drama there, it actually got a little bit boring. It was 21 goals scored by each each team. And mm. the game was a little bit boring. I'd rather the game today where it's a bit more contested. Um, yeah, that's my thought anyway. Yeah, and it's it's another it's another issue which I'm interested in your thoughts. Is high scoring better? Uh, is that it? If you know, we, we hear a lot of complaints. Oh, the game season. No one's kicking any goals. It's too dour. It's too... Let's open it up. We want high scoring. To me, high scoring doesn't equal good. Like, I, I'm i the same as Ange. I watched... I was doing this show a few weeks ago and on Fox Footy, the 1993 prelim came up and Essendon broke my heart as a young Crow supporter when Dad was coach. The score was, I don't know, something like 17 goals to to 15 or something in the end high scoring the first quarter is just goal after goal footy today is so much better the athletes are better more physical the tackling is better I think the game is better today and I don't need high scoring to have a successful game but a lot of people do so I'm interested in your thoughts there Alan is in Bentley I think it is welcome to you Alan yeah good day Kane love the show Look, uh, of a lo- lover of the AFL, I'm really angry, mate, because uh, this is this is ridiculous. They they keep calling it the people's game, the fans' game. Well, if you did any survey or looked at any survey, the fans just want the game 
left alone. This is just ludicrous. I mean, this one and the like the ruck one you mentioned, mm. you know, they're the players like they're under twelves. I mean, surely if two people went up might have just uh, yeah, just bit, on a bit of a dodgy line there, Alan. But uh, like, I get your frustration, and if you could see the text message in real time flood through this morning, probably ninety five are in agreement with you, mate. Just leave it alone, make it easier, uh, make it less confusing. Now, it must be said, there's been some rules that have been been really good for the game. So, some rule changes they've they've done a good job. Not not too many complaints about the. Starting positions now, which give credit to Stephen Hawking for implementing that, and we probably thought that was going to be questionable when that first came in. Uh, speaking of watching an old game in that 1993 prelim, the man that used to take a mark and his opponent could wrap him up on the mark and not let him go for about four or five seconds, that's not a that that has been a good rule change for him not to be able to do that now and let the play go on. That that was a, that was a bad one. The ruck rule's been okay. I don't, I don't mind the deliberate rush behind now, being penalised and stricter on that. So with defence to the AFL, they've made some good rule changes, but I'm just not sure the pain of the outcome, the outcome is worth the pain of this one. And I guess the punishment is too severe for a very minor infringement. 50 metre penalty is far too harsh. Robbie is in Williams Landing. G'day to you, Robbie. Oh, good day, Kane. Um, I think a gentleman spoke before that sort of hit it on the head that sometimes the game's unrecognisable to, to what it used to be. Um, and I don't mean that necessarily, the, you know, this old versus new, but um, we've got 36 players, um, elite athletes running around very quickly, um, and the rules were designed around that. They were simple, you know, holding the ball, uh, pushing the back, dropping the ball. Um, and we've now sort of corrupted those original rules to where uh, things like um, uh, prior opportunity. I was watching a game last year in, with, with Carlton where there were three tackles in a very short period of time in the forward line where the player blatantly dropped the ball, but obviously due to the prior opportunity rule, they weren't paid. And this mm. just confuses people and confuses players. Then you add things such as um, you know rule of the week, and that happens regardless of what the AFL says, the different interpretations week to week. That's yep. just so bloody frustrating. It is, and then the and then the mid-season change of interpretation. So the most influential coach comes out and says, "I don't like this uh, holding the ball rule. I'm going to have a sook after a game, and we're going to change it mid-year. Like, uh, let's just make it even harder for the umpires when we all can't agree on what holding the ball should or does look like as it is, and then we go and change what the interpretation should be halfway through the year. Um, the more you think about it, the more ridiculous it's getting. Good call, Robbie. G'day to you, Ben. Hey, Kano, love the show. You're doing a great job. Thanks, man. Um, my favourite is the Ruck, ruck uh, competition. Oh. That is the best. Listen, <laughs> I understand what they're trying to do, but their players are played, paid professionals, and when the microphones are on, I hate hearing, like, there's a minute in the game, there's two points in it, and the, the umpire, I don't blame the umpires, I blame the AFL. Uh, Paul, you're going up. John, you're going up. And then they explain that they're going to be walking backwards into this space. I think the players know where the umpires are going to walk. Do we need to hear that? No. And and the other command now, which I just I laugh at it. I don't know. Maybe I'm maybe I'm being too harsh. But from the feedback we're getting, I'm, I'm probably not. This stand, telling a grown AFL footballer with your hand out that you must stand and you must nominate to go up in the ruck. 
with all due respect, it's it's Auskick, as I keep saying, and it's frustrating, and who'd want to be an AFL umpire? Um, there's plenty of other things I want to talk about this morning, and you can take the show in any direction that you like. We'll take a short breather here. We'll get back to Gary, John, Basil, and Mark, who all want to have their say on the other side of this. You're listening to The Captain's Run. Plenty more coming up. On SEN, The Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Our first bounce of the ball has happened. Melbourne taking on Richmond in a pracky game. We're going to speak to the AFL's Cow Toomey, who is there. A host of demons um, missing from this game due to injury. So we'll get the latest and um, a, a live update from the ground very, very shortly. Our number's one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Four tickets to the Melbourne Beer Festival, if you don't mind. Up for grabs for the callers of the morning. Uh, Gaz has been waiting patiently. Welcome to you, Gary. Good. How are you, Kane? I'm Look, good. Um, you can see what's going to happen with this um, no moving on the mark rule. So if mm. you take the mark and I'm your opponent and I trail you in, I am going to just run 20 metres to my left, a man up, and there's going to be a man hovering five metres behind the mark. And so not actually on the mark, but behind, and he will still move lateral. And he, the umpire can't call anything against him. No, he can't. Well, and I wonder if, you know, what happens if the mark's there, then he comes back just to even sort of one or two metres. Is he then allowed to, he's not in the protected zone anymore. He's out of it. If he's only one or two metres back, can he then move laterally? There's the option for not to have anyone on the mark and just, just guard the corridor. So put the man that was going to be on the mark towards the corridor. Or there's the other option, which the AFL would detest and that would be just to flood him back to, to clog up the opposition's forward line. So what happens when you don't trial rules is um, all sorts of things can happen that you're not expecting. Now, from a few coaches I've spoken to, they don't they don't expect it to have a massive impact on the game and they don't expect it to have a massive impact on scoring and, and perhaps we're overdoing it. But what will frustrate the life out of me is if we see ticky touch with 50 metre penalties that results in goals, which we've seen so far, it's just far too big a penalty for what is a very small crime. Thank you to you, Gary. Let's go to John. John, you think the blame lies elsewhere. Welcome to you. Okay, Kane. Uh, look, I'm, I agree with you that you know, we're making the umpire job really hard. Um, but once again, you know, all that the AFL are trying to do is respond to the people who are actually ruining the game. That's the coaches. The coaches are the ones who have driven all this. Um, yeah, they're the ones that introduce flooding. They're the ones that introduce, you know, zone defence and all the other things that have just killed scoring. And I know you say you don't mind the game being, you know, uh, low scoring and, and tough mm. and tight. Uh, I guarantee you there won't be um, that many jobs left for ex-footballers coming out of the game in 10 years' time if we keep seeing games that are, you know, full-time, eight goals to six and teams or teams have scored one or two goals at half-time. No-one wants to watch that. Channel 7 might be paying hundreds of millions of dollars for that. So the AFL have to do something about it. They have to get scoring back or they have to get ball movement going. It's probably, it's probably, a, it's probably a reasonable... There's a balance there, isn't there? I, I'm... Yeah, I'm with you. Eight goals to six is not you know, that's that's too low. And if that happened every week, then you're right. Channel Seven wouldn't be paying hundreds of millions because there wouldn't be the ad breaks and uh, the breaks after goals where they can play their advertisements. So there's a there's a balance in there somewhere. But is 17 goals to 20 uh, e- equally? That's not appealing to me at all either. 
like you know, it's not necessarily means it was a great game. I don't think so. There's a balance in there somewhere, um, Johnny, and it's a it's a reasonable point that you make. Appreciate you making it with us here this morning. Let's go to Basil, who's in Queensland. How is it up there, Basil? Oh, mate, it's a beautiful day today, and uh, love your discussions with uh, Jared Kane. And oh, I'm a card carrying Lions man, so you and I probably have our differences. <laughs> seeing there's a healthy healthy respect. Yeah, there. There's a good rivalry there. To, yeah. to put it in context, I'm a Queenslander that was brought up playing rugby league and rugby union. And then I went to Melbourne for work and fell in love with the game and have been a AFL, uh, Aussie Rules, good morning, been an Aussie Rules supporter ever since. And the thing that staggered me at the start was that I didn't think there were any rules because I'd say to my mate, why did the umpire play that? And he would say to me, I've got no idea because <laughs> the interpretation depends on which umpire yeah. happens to think it's holding the ball or dropping the ball or if it's a mark or not a mark, you know, and the thing that's improved dramatically has been the tackling. As an old rugby player, I think the tackling in AFL was pathetic and that has improved so much that there's so much more pressure on the ball carrier, that that will naturally lead to lower scores. And I don't, for one minute, think that 20 goals versus 17 goals is a good game of footy. Mm, that just mm. means that nobody wants to bother putting no any pressure on. Man up. Yeah, no, good good on you, Baz. We appreciate uh, you joining us out for your walk in beautiful Queensland this morning. And, and that's, I guess, the issue that perhaps will never be solved. You can have 10 people and ask them, show them a replay screen and say, was that holding the ball? Uh, and you probably get a, a genuine 50-50 split, whether it was holding the ball or not. And, and you get that with the umpires as well, which perhaps is the root of the problem. So why make it more difficult for the AFL umpires? Mark and Gary want to join us very, very shortly. We'll get to them. Um, and also there's a whole host of other things I want to talk about. I, I had a rough week. I uh, actually broke my foot, which... It's a bit of a disaster. I was um, running along at at good speed, it must be said, out on Sunday for, for my long run. I was going to do 25, 19 k's into it. Something's just gone in my foot. So spent all Monday getting MRIs and x-rays and scans. So the, the foot's broken. Dad says to me, I have to give up running. He said, you have to give up running, son. It's no good for you at all. So... One three hundred seven three six seven three six. Give me a decent substitute for running because I'm off my legs for four to six weeks. I'm out of action, um, but I don't want, want to become a fat mess. So if you've got any suggestions for me on the back of that, I'd love to hear from you. It is the captain's run. It's eight minutes to ten. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, a lot of suggestions coming through on the temper text, 0433981116, of how I can keep fit without running. Golf, nah, hope, hopeless at golf, the most frustrating sport in the world. I do believe golfers are the most skillful um, sports people in the world, though. Had a round of golf the other day. It was an absolute complete disaster. Anything in the ocean, cycling and weights, a lot coming through for cycling and a few for swimming. I've been doing the little cross-training, you know, like that skiing sort of um, device that you, you can do at the gym. I've been doing it next to you know, probably the average age is about 70, 75 
uh, years of age, the people that seem to use this thing. So it's been been interesting. But it does get the heart rate up. So that one's been working. Uh, John's in Brisbane. He's got some advice for me. G'day, Johnny. Hey, Kane. I don't like to give you advice too much, but I used to do triathlons like full on and I can't run anymore. you just got to get in the pool and... Uh, because it's cardio for you and just get in the yep. pool and swim, get in squads, that's for you. Swimming and weights, don't get on the bike because it's a bit dangerous and it's, you know, you, it takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of time to do a lot of bike riding. So just yeah, mind with you in, in the Johnny. pool no. for you. Good. I, I don't mind swimming. It's, it's it's a bit boring and it's, I mean, it's really difficult. I, I, I'm assuming it gets a lot easier the longer you do it, but yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not opposed to the pool. I, I am with you on the bike though. Very dangerous. Seems to be pretty expensive as well if you want a decent bike and I don't want to get cleaned up um, by a car so uh, I'm with you I will be back I'm, I'm not giving up running I've, I've actually applied for the Gold Coast Marathon which is in July so touch wood I'll be back for that well you, I'll sneak in Mark he's got 40 seconds to make your point Mark welcome yeah, okay look I'll try and be quick mate I'm just wondering why are they trying to destroy our game once again these AFL blokes because I go every week mate for the games at the MCG all the fans around me can't they all say look why do they keep playing with the rules stop stop changing them leave them alone I mean Stephen Hawking and McLaughlin need to start listening to the fans because this rule they're bringing in about not being able to deviate off the mark mate it's total rubbish I mean, a 50-metre penalty for that. Yeah, I hope they've been listening, Mark, this morning and appreciate your passion and your point because 95% of people are in agreement with you. I hope they've been listening for the first hour. Been a fair bit in it. Plenty more coming up after the 10 o'clock news. We'll get back to your calls and all the other big talking points on the other side of this. On SEN, the Captain's Run with Kane Corns. Busy first hour on the Captain's Run, and thank you to all of you who had your say. I guess the hot topic was the difficulty of umpiring an AFL game and being an AFL umpire, and has the AFL made it just an impossibility with the constant changing of rules and interpretations to make it successful for these umpires? Most of you are in an agreement, and we've even had... Um, some former umpires ring up and, and agree. But you can have your say on that, the state of the game. Practice game is underway. Uh, last I checked, it was um, pretty even. A couple of goals each for Melbourne and Richmond. Tom Lynch off with a bit of an ankle complaint in the early stages of that game. Don't think it's too seri- serious. We'll cross to Kautumi from afl.com.au for an update Throughout the morning, as you just heard in the news, Rory Sloan is going to captain the Adelaide Crows for the third year running. Their leadership group is unchanged. It's a five-man group, which will feature Tom Duday, Tom Lynch, Brody Smith, and Matt Crouch. one 736 736 is our number. And thank you to all of you who are suggesting fitness tips for me as I'm on the sidelines with a broken foot for four or six weeks. One man who's not on the sidelines, though, he's a, it's a great story. He's an absolute star in the Sandful here. Um, got picked up by Port Adelaide as a mature age recruit, played a few games there, um, and it's time to find out what's next for our next guest. His name is Brett Eddy, and he joins us. Hey, Brett, thanks for your time, mate. No, no worries. Thanks, Kane. Pleased to be here. You're playing your footy up in the NT. What's that been like? I have, mate, yeah. Obviously, I've spent the whole six months up here during the season this year and obviously um, 
you know, any, any chance to get out of Melbourne after uh, being locked down last year. I saw this as a great opportunity to come up here and have a, have a run around with the, uh, the Wanderers. So that, that was the decision-making process. Like it's pretty tough to uh, – the VFL was, was shut, Sanford continued, but a big layoff. You thought the best opportunity to continue your career was up there, clearly? Yeah, basically, I was just in Melbourne. I was, our footy season was cancelled due to COVID last year, and I just thought, how can I get out of Melbourne? Because it was pretty dire straits in Melbourne last year. We, mm. we couldn't really leave the house, and we we're pretty limited in what we could do. So um, Shannon, Shannon Motlop called me up and just said, we can't have any flying this year. Would you think about moving up? And uh, lucky enough, my work committed to do that and working from home, and yeah, decided to come up for the season. Went pretty well for you. Um, you won the goal kicking. You kicked 69 <laughs> from just 17 games. A couple of nine-goal hauls as well. So the competition suited you, mate. Yeah, it's pretty uh, free-flowing footy up here. And obviously playing as a forward, you get some fast, quick entries one-on-one. So um, it's been really fun up here. Obviously our midfield's been pretty good as well, so it helped me out a little bit. But, um, yeah, love, love the season up here. It's been great. What's the, what's the standard been like? Uh, there's, there's some good teams and some okay teams. Um, mm. it's, it's pretty Bruce free footy up here, just big grounds, plenty of run and carry, um, just bloody circle work essentially. But um, no, it's great footy. Uh, it's good fun, basically. So, so no, no 18-man zones um, and, and none of that stuff that uh, a lot of our listeners would say is rubbish in the AFL? Nah, none of that. None of that team defense. It's it's, it's basically one on one and um, yeah, full ground, which is which has been great. So, <laughs> so how many clubs have called you since, and where do you expect to be playing your footy in the winter? No, nah, no calls as of yet. I've, really? I've seen what? a coffee. Yeah, no calls. Surprisingly, I I've I've left Adelaide so three years ago, end of twenty seventeen. I've been at Vermont the last sort of three years. And um, I've switched across to Caulfield Grammar this year in the Ammos, um, which, is, which has been great so far. So really looking forward to it. Hey, I'm interested in your take. There's been a lot of debate about, um, and certainly your former club, South Adelaide, in the sample has been smashed. I've had about four or five Ruckman um, stolen from them basically by AFL teams who on the eve of the season need a Ruck. You weren't in a dissimilar position, I guess, as a mature age player. You got the opportunity to live your dream and play AFL footy, but it was a big life-altering decision for you. In hindsight, would you have done it again and, and played AFL for the short time that you did? Yeah, obviously South have been sort of decimated the last few years with that supplement scandal. Not supplement scandal, but the, obviously the pre-season selection. Yep. So, um, look, my, my stint to the top was very brief. Um, but again, if I had my time again, I'd, I'd probably do it. Um, the, the opportunity to sort of live our childhood dream and, and play a few games at the top level um, was very rewarding and I'm really grateful for the opportunity. But, um, yeah, obviously the, the lower state league teams are struggling a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'll do it again for sure. Uh, it's good good to hear. Hey, mate, you got some finals footy this weekend. What's on the radar? Yeah, so we, we've qualified for a double chance. We finished third. Um, St. Mary's finished second. So we've got our first qualifying final against them tomorrow night, um, I think 7 o'clock. So, um, yeah, the Indian Darwin area, come down and, and have a look and, and we'll go from there. <laughs> And so many um, talented players to come out of that competition. Is there any that have caught your eye and you think will end up on an AFL list or that AFL clubs should be taking a notice of, of these individuals? Yeah, there's plenty of talented people up here. Uh, it's obviously a long way for recruiters to come to watch them, but they've all got the tricks and the speed. There's a few guys from our club trying out down the sample this year, so it'll be interesting to see how they go. 
Um, there's no specific, but yeah, it's plenty of good talent up here for sure. Well, good on you, Brett. Great to see you still having a kick and still dominating. You kick goals for fun, and it's, uh, good luck on the weekend. Good luck for the, for the finals. I hope you win it all. Thanks, Kane. Thanks for having me. Cheers. Brett Eddy is a, a former sample star. He, he, he was. He was genuine gun. He played 92 sample games um, and one of South's greatest ever. He kicked 258 goals. was recruited by Port Adelaide as a mature age player. Played a few games there now, plying his trade in the NTFL, some players just know how to score goals, whatever competition they go to, and he is one of those. Uh, update from the Melbourne and Richmond trial game. It is the Demons leading by five points at quarter time. Goal kickers for the Demons, Jones, Jordan Fritch, and for Richmond, Arts and Bolton are the goal scorers there. As I said before, we'll cross to Kautumi for an update there. In the meantime, let's get to... A few more of your calls because there's been pe- uh, people waiting patiently on the line, including John. Johnny joins us in Taylor's Lakes. Hello to you, mate. G'day, Kane. How are you, mate? Good, buddy. Uh, I just um, don't understand. Every year we have new rules and where the where the AFL think they've done the right thing and it's going to fix the problem. Next year we'll have another rule because something else didn't work and so on. Um I just wonder why the AFL can't just run the competition and leave the 18 clubs, the 18 coaches and the 18 teams to play football, right? Because the, that's what I think that's what the crowd's interested in, is watching what coaches do to win a game, what mm. players do against each other to win a game. And the, the game itself will look after itself. And, and providing it's a good contest, good hard contest, um, the game has been around for a, over 100 years and it got to the stage where it was that popular. Um, that's why it keeps gro- growing. I don't want to keep going on and on, Kane, but what I see is since they made big changes to our game, thinking like a few individuals, thinking that that would be... It's ruined the game. It's actually ruined the game. And um, I just wish they would get in touch with the public, the, the football public, and take a referendum when it comes to important changes in our game because surely the majority of football followers, as a majority, should have more of a say than an individual sitting in an office with uh, three other people or four other people and change our game. Good on you, Johnny. Passion coming through. Leave the game alone, says John. one three hundred seven three six seven three six. Do you agree or disagree? Let's go to Perth and speak to Gary about the rules. Your thoughts, Gaz? Uh, good morning. Well, it's still morning over here. Mate, uh, <laughs> I don't really care about the umpires. I think the um, scoring situation is on the players. I think it's been appalling the degree of... Uh, non-elite athletes having shots to goal with relative, uh, you know, like off a free kick or a mark inside the 50. Um, there's only a few players that go back off the mark with conviction, like your Rewalts, Buddy Franklin, uh, Eddie Betts from the pocket. These guys know their stuff, so they go back and have a shot. And I think, myself, the, the amount of, um, how can I put it, uh, I've got to be polite here. The amount of 
I've said it before, they're apparently elite athletes, but they're not when it comes to kicking for goal. They might be on the halfback, they can pick a bloke up on the wing and hit him ways yep. out. Yep. They come inside the 50, mate, there's a lot of guys with weak knees, and I think it's uh, a confidence thing. They have all these leadership groups and they build them up, but I think it uh, comes down to practice and, and uh, getting the, um, the art of kicking correct. We are the human race, so we're top of the food chain. And I go back to a galloper called Northerly, which you'd know, um, couldn't gallop. So what they did is they taught him how to gallop by putting him back into the dressage ring and not training him, just teaching him how to be a, a galloper. So wise words wise words from Gary. So Gaz says, pretty simple, the, the low scores is solely on the players. And if they were more accurate, we'd get more goals. And it's a simplistic view, but... Pretty accurate, I reckon, from you, Gary. Appreciate your thoughts. Alex wants to have you say good day, Alex. Kato the Volcano, how are you, brother? Good, mate. That's all right. Hey, I'm giving you a call. I've got a question. It's not just for me. It's for my uh, best mate back in Adelaide, uh, Buffalo Bevan. We're both uh, mad pro supporters, <laughs> always have been, always will be. And we've been yeah. wondering for a long time, was there a moment that you decided that you just hated the Crows? Or was there a, <laughs> an, an incident? Did something happen? Because you obviously grew up loving them, and now... They're like your worst enemy. Buffalo Bevan. This one's for you. Uh, what a nickname. Um, was there a moment that I hate? Well, no, but you play your fiercest rival. You play a lot of footy in Adelaide and you learn to hate them. I think, I think that is obvious. I do get I do get a bit of amusement, though, from the Crows fans who say Kane's been overly critical of our club. I'll say, well, you won three games last year. This is the worst Crows side in the history of the club. What, what do you want me to kiss the ground that they're walking on? No, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to call it for as I see it. And they're, they're a really ordinary side last year, and I, I called it out. So I, I do have a good chuckle when the Crows fans say I've been hard on them. Well, you won three games, and it's the worst side you've ever had. So I'm clearly not going to say a lot of positives out of it. But, Alex, thanks for your call, mate, getting up and about this morning. A couple more quick ones. Craig's on the road. G'day, Craig. G'day, Kane. I, I just about the rule change. I'm sort of prepared to give it a bit of a wait and see, but I think mm. the AFL have, have done some things that are over the journey that have fundamentally impacted on the way the game's played. And I think they're all interlinked. Once one is the whole ruck situation, not just the nominating the ruck, but the waiting for the ruckman to be ready. Um, mm-hmm. It gives the rest of the team the opportunity to get back into position. Um, when was the last time you saw? a ruckman struggle to get to a contest, a ruck contest. That just doesn't happen anymore, which it used to. It just to. happened all the time, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So as a consequence, <clears throat> excuse me, there's no advantage being gained there for, for teams. Um, the other one is, and, and that generally goes to the, the umpire stoppages around the ground, the amount of time they take to get the game going again, which enables players to congregate, and enables defences to flood back, and, and the other thing is by holding the ball. It's always confused me, excuse me, <clears throat> why this is a difficult situation. Um, I would have thought, and I always believed growing up as a kid playing footy, that if you got tackled with the ball and you didn't have a chance to get rid of it, it doesn't matter if you drop the ball. That's dropping the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if you get tackled and it doesn't come off your handball or your foot, and it falls from your body. That's dropping the ball. Oh um, uh, no! And I, uh, both of those points, I'm with you exactly on that. To scrap that nominating 
absolute rubbish. The worst rule that's come in since the sub rule. And if you don't dispose of the ball correctly, it's a free kick against. That's the rule that I grew up with, and that's the way that I understand it, and that's the way that would make it a lot more simple for umpires Get rid of this prior opportunity. If you don't dispose of it correctly, it's free kick against. We'll quickly sneak in a nook who's also in Perth. Hello to you. Oh, good day, Kane. Um, I think you've covered most of the stuff, but um, one thing I want to ask you is um, last year, uh, Clarko brought the game into this dispute when he talked about the uh, holding the ball rule. Um, they changed the rules on the spot for Clarko. Um, so why didn't they address that rule this time around. Can you answer that for me, please, Kate? I, I can't. I, I'm not sure he brought the game into disrepute. He, he can have his opinion. Clarko, as uh, the most influential coach in the game, can have his opinion on the way he sees the rule. And I want to hear that from him. I want to hear his opinion and the way that he sees the game. But then the AFL have changed the rule because of his opinion mid-season. That's where the criticism lies, the AFL for bowing to Clarko because he had a sook after a game because he didn't like the rule. And the week after, they changed it. So uh, the blame's not with Clarko. I want his opinion. The blame's on the AFL for listening and overreacting to one person in the game's opinion on it. Now, Jason Castagna and Shane Edwards have just slotted a couple of goals for the Tigers. Richmond are leading early by eight points in this game against Melbourne. We're going to speak to Cow Toomey, who is live at that game. Plenty more coming up. On the other side of this, it's our new favourite segment of the week. We call it Over and Under. It's time to play Overs and Unders with Kane Corns for Temper, a mattress like no other. Oh, what's the great man got for us today? Uh, let's find out what the first over and under is with Johnny. Yeah, I think um, each week we're going to learn, we're going to grow. Obviously, we had at to- oh, today we had pretty much our starting midfield out with Cunners, Jeddah, Goldie, uh, Jared Pollock, Trent Jamont. So we get a few of those boys back from round one. It's going to add a lot of experience um, as well. But, um, yeah, as I said, we're going to learn and grow each week. Kane, North Melbourne lost by 91 points in its trial against St Kilda yesterday. The club claims they'll be winning finals in two to three years' time. North will return to the finals in three and a half years, over or under. Tough to be a North Melbourne. Tough to be a North Melbourne supporter. Um, They're going to quickly find out what happens when you give away all your players. Uh, Similar to what Adelaide did. And look, it may be the right strategy in time. Uh, Time will tell. But it's going to be a brutal year for them. And I heard David King say that he tips Hawthorne to be the wooden spooner. I don't think the Hawks are going to have a great year, but you would think North Melbourne are the obvious choice for the wooden spoon. Ben Buckley said his expectation for new coach David Noble is to be winning finals in two to three years' time, which is a completely unrealistic time frame. So three and a half years is... I'm going to go the over on that one. Tough few years coming up for the Kangaroos. What's number two? Sweeping hand pass to Saad, who wrong foots Whitfield. Got to set a half forward, launched the most magnificent goal. New Carlton recruit Adam Sard had a career-high 95 running bounces for his former club Essendon in 2018. He will go over or under 95 this year. Well, this is a pretty simple one for me and uh, did read all the reports from his form yesterday and uh, the weapon that he will be across halfback. With the new rule, you'd have to think that that is way over 95. Handball received to Saad from any free kick in the back half. Bounce, bounce, launch it to 10 metres out. 
and that'll put the opposition under pressure. So 95 in 2018, he's going to go over that this year. What's number three? Boundary throw in. Mumford just shoved his opponent out of the way and kicks the goal, the big money. Oh, do you reckon the Giants stadium crowd love that? He doesn't kick many of them, but look at the Giants players get from everywhere. Despite the injuries to the ruck stocks at GWS, veteran Shane Mumford doesn't want to play much this year. He will be forced to play 10 games this year. Over or under, Kane? Well, Johnny played 10 games from 17 last year. So they, they, were, they forced to wheel him out there for 10 games, even though they recruited Sam Jacobs. Finally... The Giants go and get a decent Ruckman, and Braden Proust is flying until he gets a, a pretty nasty shoulder injury, which will keep him out for the majority of the year. And then I don't know who the next Rucks are. Look, I've heard some uh, – I interviewed Phil Davis on SENSA yesterday, and he mentioned some names to me about these young Rucks ready to go, but nothing there excites me. I reckon he's going to be forced to, to play over 10 games, Shane Mumford. What's he doing on the list? He, he said this week he doesn't want to play. Oh, mate, you're on a list, so clearly the Giants are trying to exploit the – soft cap and pay him through the salary cap and use him as a coach rather than a player. But they may just be forced to wrap him up, bandage him up and get him out there for at least 10 games this year. Uh, Number four is an interesting one. Dustin Martin's manager, Ralph Carr, says Dusty wants to play until he's 38. He's 29 with 244 games to his name. He'll play 400 games, over or under. Well, he's going to go close, but I don't think he'll get to 400, Dusty. So what is there? Four 400-game players in the history of the game. Tuck, Fletcher, Boomer Harvey, and KB. So he's 29, as you heard. He's got 244 games. If he plays for eight more years till he's 38, that's 20 games a year. We'll give him a couple off for injury or for being rested. So... 8 times 20 is 160, plus 244 is 404. It's borderline, um, so I, th- I don't think Dusty will get there, but perhaps 375 games will be a good number for what is going to be just an unbelievable career. Let's have a bit of fun with number five. Hey, Kane, Tony Jones has banned his infamous kiss fail from being shown on the Sunday footy show. It will still be played 15 times on the show this season. Over or under? Oh, that's easy. Uh, that's over. Now, the uh, group text has started for the, for the Sunday Footy Show, boys. We'll be back the Sunday of round one. Looking forward to doing it. It is topical because maths. Maths is back. It's been dominating. Must admit, I haven't been watching a lot of it, but uh, wife Lucy does, and it's more interesting to watch her reaction than it is the actual show. There was a kiss fail between one of the couples. I, I don't know their names, and I think the Daily Mail wrote an article comparing it to Tony Jones's failed kiss with Beck Judd. He hates it. Last year, he stormed off set, and he gave the producers the word that we are not to play this again, but I can almost guarantee you it'll be played at least 15 times this year. That was... The over or under, if you want to have your say on any of that, please join in, one 736 736 We've got a big show coming up as well, and we've got you covered for your weekend, including This Is Your Sporting Life with Julian DeStoop, who's going to talk to Nikki Del Santo. That's thanks to Tobin Brothers Funeral Celebrating Lives. But just quickly sneak a call in. Gary's on the road. Hey, Gaz, will Dusty get to 400? Yeah, mate, you've got to remember, Tiles will play three or four finals each year, mate. So mm, true. Next, uh, 
What? Well, the, the, oh, there's okay. an extra. So, so that. Yeah, there, there's an extra twenty if they played three finals every year. It's, yeah, around about twenty, perhaps a touch over. But you know, at some point, the Tigers are going to have to miss out. So, you think you'll get there, Gary? Nah, probably not. But I'm just reading. <laughs> Well, the thing he's got going for him is he can just, just go play as a forward. So you go and spend the last five years as a forward, and that would be frightening, and you wouldn't have the midfield responsibilities that he would. But uh, I'm just not sure if 400 is a long, long way away. And you would have thought probably Buddy, after he signed that nine-year contract and he had that many games to his name, would have easily cruised through to 400. He's just limp to 300 and may not play many more at all. one 736 736 On the text, Brett Eddie is just as good on the footy trip as he was kicking sausage rolls. Thank you very much. It's 29 minutes to 11 o'clock. Thank you to you, Meredith, for the latest in the news. Um, pretty shortly, the uh, Victorian government and the AFL are going to have to make a decision on crowd numbers for um, the attendances for round one and beyond, of course, subject to change uh, as anything is, as we've seen this year. We think that figure is going to land somewhere around 50%. So if you're looking at round one, um, I think you'll find it's going to be 50%. So for that round one game between Richmond and Carlton, 50,000 at the MCG. If you're looking towards games at Marvel, 50% of the capacity there is 28,000. So I think um, an announcement on that is is reasonably imminent. And I think where, you, where that will find, for those of you who are desperate to get back to the footy and members of both, in particular, Richmond and Carlton, because it's the first look at it and, and many of you have missed out and will unfortunately continue to miss out, such is the supporter base of both clubs. Um, that's going to land around or right on 50%. So 50,000 in the house, which I think is a pretty good result, uh, a pretty good result for round one, which is only um, a few weeks away now. one 736 just repeating the news that looking likely that's a 50% crowd capacity for um, the early stages of the AFL season, 50,000 in the MCG, 28,000 at Marvel Stadium. 0433981116 is... The number, uh, Rory Sloan's going to captain the Crows again for the third year in a row. He was voted unanimously and endorsed unanimously by every player that was canvassed from the club. And look, no real surprises. It would have been shocked if he wasn't captain. Five-man leadership group, Tom Duday. He's the next captain, Tom Lynch. And all-Australian pair, Brody Smith and Matt Crouch. Every now and then, I like to veer away from sport. Just quickly, and I had to have an intervention at home this week. So I've stumbled across this new show and I'm late to the party here. So don't, don't say wherever, all, all, all this, but Ted Lasso. So I've just, I've just, I held off, I held off because I'm, I'm not a big soccer guy. I'm not a big world game guy on the, the, the um, shows about a, an American coaching a English soccer team. So I held off. I don't know if I'm that interested in that, but I just heard unbelievable reports. So I started it. I'm hooked. It's amazing. It's as good as everyone says. I, I love it. I'm three episodes into 10, so don't tell me what happens. But I digress because I was looking. This one's on Apple TV, this show, Ted Lasso. So then I was thinking, well, I got Netflix. I got some others. How many streaming services does my family actually have? And I was shocked to discover 
that as a household, we subscribe to KO, Binge, Netflix, Apple TV, Prime Video, Stan, Disney Plus, and NBA League Pass. That's, that's disgraceful, isn't it? So I sat the kids down. I said that exact conversation. I said, boys, we subscribe to KO Binge, Netflix, Apple TV, Prime Video, NBA League Pass, Stan, and Disney Plus. Some of them have to go. Which ones have to go right now? So they said, Dad, well, non-negotiables, we need Disney Plus and we need NBA League Pass. So the rest were not too fast. And I said, well, I need KO for the footy because I don't have Foxtel. And Apple Plus I need because I'm halfway through Ted Lasso and I need to finish it. And I need Prime Video because this AFL documentary making their marks about to launch on that platform on uh, March the 12th. So I've had to clip Netflix and Stan. And I, I like binge, so I've kept binge. one three hundred seven three six seven three six 736 736 or 0433981116. How many streaming services do you subscribe to and which ones can be cut and chopped? I've cut Netflix and Stan, have you say, on that. And just repeating the news, um, it is most likely that AFL crowd numbers will fall at 50% meaning 50,000 in the house for the round one fixture between Richmond and Carlton, 28 at Marvel. Footy fans, you can have your say on that. Is that the right number? 0433981116. We'll be back on the other side of this. And the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yes, that it is. And just repeating the news, that crowd capacity will be 50%. So 50,000 the MCG, 29,000 or 28,000 at Marvel Stadium. You heard that here first on SEN. Now doing the rounds on social media, of course, which I think is a a pretty good result. Live scores from the practice match between Melbourne and Richmond. Melbourne 34, Richmond 41. We'll go to Kautumi very, very shortly. But I'm excited to get to our next guest because she's an absolute superstar. Plays for Collingwood in the AFLW, of course. One of the biggest names in the AFLW is Britt Bonici, she joins me. Britt, thank you so much for your time. No worries, Kane. How are you? I'm well. How are you going? You're uh, absolutely flying yourself and, and as a team. How have you seen the season so far? Couldn't be much better. Yeah, um, pretty good start. Definitely can't complain about the way that the girls have uh, rolled out the start of the season. and uh, Pretty exciting and heading into another big game this, uh, this week. So exciting times down at the Pies. You may get sick of the commentary that uh, you know, the standards improved or the athleticism, the skills and all. I, I don't know how, how you feel about that and whether you even notice it, but living and breathing it every day, do you, do you notice the significant shift in the standard, the skill level, the tactics, the way the game is played, or because you live and breathe it, it's just, it's just second nature to you? What, what, what's your opinion on that? No, I definitely think that it's something that you notice, especially sort of with the young girls coming through now. And mm. it's a real exciting dynamic that the AFLW has now where the girls coming in, um, the younger girls have come through a platform and they've had the access to the programs and uh, all the coaches and stuff before. And they sort of have been bringing a complete new dynamic to the club and the game in general and um, having girls sort of who are so young who can teach the older girls stuff and, um, all the veterans of the club are learning from the younger girls. It's really exciting, and it's making the game grow um, so quickly. 
and yeah, it's definitely not something you can shy away from. Yeah, I think the the speed of ball movement, speed of play is significant. I, I don't know if you put a percentage on it, but perhaps ten to fifteen percent on last year, which has been really exciting. Uh, defensively, you guys have been great, including holding an extremely good side, North Melbourne goalless um, last weekend at, at Marvel. Have you been working um, significantly on your defensive structures and how impressive was that? I definitely think it comes down to the work of our back line. Um, our, back, our back six, our back seven are really strong and they have a really good bond within themselves. And having the likes of Ruby Slicer down there who's learning to rebound the ball really well, um, Lauren Butler, Jordy Allen, I mean, I could name our entire back line. Um, mm. They're a really good collective and sort of when we have the, them rebo- rebounding the ball out of the back 50, uh, it gives us pretty good confidence to push up the grounds and know that we've got a good support network back there. Now, Britt, I, I love a good tagger and if if I was an AFLW coach and I was playing against Collingwood, I'd tag you. Your numbers this year are extraordinary. 20, just under 25 a game, nine contested, 322 metres gain, which in a shortened game is... Is massive. I, I would tag you. Is, is anyone giving you um, some extra attention yet? Um, no, nah, not just yet. Um, I had Hosking sort of come with me around a couple of um, stoppages last, uh, not last week, the week before, and it was um, being a tagger myself in the first couple of years. It was sort of confronting. You didn't really know mm. what to do, but um, it was really exciting to sort of know that, um, you know, another team sort of thinks highly of you and that was exciting but you just sort of go about your business and like I said before being a tagger for the first few years um, I like to think that I might know a couple of tricks or two what got me off my game and um, maybe I'll have to start bringing them out. Yeah, get ready for it because it's coming and it's coming shortly. Um, a lot of good teams. Uh, Fremantle, of course, probably would have won it last year. Who knows? Brisbane are, are a very good side. Adelaide still a very, very good side. Um, and yourselves, who who is in your eyes, the ones to beat? Oh, I think Freo have been so strong um, the past couple of years. And they're a team that have come together really nicely on the field. And you sort of see the way that they um, support each other off field. And it's awesome. I think a team with that sort of connection um, is going to be hard to beat for anyone. Uh, I think it's, they've gone 10 games undefeated now, which is massive in our competition. They were really strong last year, put their hands up. Um, and showed the competition that they're here to play. So I definitely think that um, they're going to be one of the teams to beat and fingers crossed everything COVID-wise. Hopefully we'll get a chance to come up against them and, um, yeah, it will be a really exciting battle. But um, Melbourne as well are really strong. Um, you know, they may not have an undefeated streak, but that doesn't necessarily mean anything in our league. We've seen crazy things happen and I think that mm. coming up against them this week is going to be a really good challenge for us and a really good challenge for our girls. Collingwood's AFL star, Britt Bonici, joining us on the captain's run this morning. What about personally how challenging this season has been? It's not like the AFL players where you can just plonk them in a, a hub and, and that's their job. It's not for, for, for you girls. Has that been a real challenge for, for you and your teammates this year, the uncertainty of it? Yeah, I think, um, you know, we're only human and human like uh, humans like to have an aspect of control and when that's taken away from you, it's definitely going to have some form of um, impact on us but at the end of the day every team in the AFLW competition is going through the same thing right now all of us have the uncertainty all of us are sort of playing week by week on who we might verse and it's day by day sometimes when the games randomly get changed and 
that's just the reality of the nature of the competition at the moment. And every team's going through it. It's going to be about the team that can adapt the best and um, handle all the curveballs that are thrown at us. So although it's not an ideal situation, it's a situation that we're in. And um, like I said before, adaptability has been thrown around so much this year, but I definitely think the teams that can adapt the quickest and the best are the teams that uh, we're seeing come to the forefront. Collingwood taking on Melbourne on Sunday. They've been in reasonable form as well, the Ds. Have you had a close look at them yet or, or will you in the lead up to that game? Oh, absolutely. Um, Melbourne aren't a team to be taken lightly. They have um, a lot of really good players and they have a really good connection. They're a team that have kept a real core collective throughout the uh, first few years of the competition and they've always been really strong. So up until this point, we've been focusing on ourselves and the way that we're going to want to play this weekend. Um, but captain's run tonight i'm sure we'll have a pretty close look at him um and yeah it's going to be a really good challenge i'm looking forward to it as we all are hey congratulations on your season so far early days but um signs are really good and your form has been outstanding keep it up and if if the tagger comes just make sure you stay on the move don't let them get the upper hand keep moving at the stoppages which i know you will and you use your tricks enjoy it you're having fun out there and it's been great to watch thanks for your time this morning no worries thanks for having us kane see you later Britt Benici, Collingwood's AFL star, averaging an amazing 25 disposals a game. Nine of those contested, high metres game player and one of the best players in the competition. Collingwood taking on Melbourne on Sunday, which will be uh, one to watch as well. Fremantle and Brisbane will be a good game as well um, tomorrow. Uh, This practice game is happening between the Tigers and the Demons. We're going to cross to Kowtoomi very, very shortly. Our man is live there covering all the action. You can follow him on Twitter for the latest updates as well. And just repeating that news that we broke on the show, crowd capacity 50% for round one and it looks to be the start of the season. That'll be announced officially very, very shortly. 50,000 the MCG, 28 at Marvel. That's in Victoria, of course. It'd be different in other parts of, of the country depending on the rules. Um, but that's a, a reasonable result considering what you footy fans went through last year. How hungry are you to get back to the footy? Let me know. one three hundred seven three six seven three six, And send me a text for those just joining. I, I had to hold an in, uh, intervention with my kids because of I must be paying 150 in streaming services a month, which is absolutely ridiculous. So I've got to give a couple of the clip. Which streaming services are the best? Let me know. 0427-154-166. Plenty coming up. Time to take a call or two as well. Lines available right now. You can jump on. Get through straight away. Speak to Brooksy. He'll get you on. one 736 736 On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Four minutes to 11 o'clock. If you're listening to us on SENSA in Adelaide, it's 26 minutes past 10. The AFL have confirmed our story from about 25 minutes ago that crowds will return to the footy in Victoria for all round one games. The state government will make an announcement today that will set the biggest crowds at a sporting event since the pandemic hit Victoria in March. This is the release from the AFL. Uh, Crowd numbers will be capped at 50,000 at the MCG and Marvel Stadium will be also 50%, which comes out to 28,961. And crowds at Marvel Stadium for the Amy Community Series will also be capped at 50%. Now, the feedback on the temper text 043381116 is coming through significantly and a lot of you making excellent points. Well, if it's two Victorian teams playing and they are scheduled to play at Marvel... 
the AFL has no option but to move it to the MCG. So 22,000 more people can be in attendance. That just makes complete sense. Now, if it's a, I don't know, if it's Port Adelaide playing North Melbourne, they're not going to get 29,000 there, so fine, leave it at Marvel. If it's um, Western Bulldogs playing Brisbane at Marvel, that's fine. But if it's Geelong playing Hawthorne, well, that's not going to be at Marvel, but if it's Essendon playing the Western Bulldogs and that's at Marvel, you've got to move that to the MCG. A lot of those texts coming through making a very, very good point. Uh, Dom's in Burwood. Uh, what's your thoughts on the crowds, mate? couple of points, Marvel. Uh, clubs need to be aware they will get zero gate takings. I'll tell you why. A 1,000 medallion, 7,000 AFL, lose 20,000 tickets. I'm a Carlton member. They all have to be made available to the home club members. Carlton have 71,000 members. So if the uptake is 20, if Carlton members take up the 20,000, there's no way that the, the clubs can charge members any extra to sit in a half-empty stadium. Therefore, I'm correct, zero gate-taking. And the other thing, people don't expect you will sit in your reserve seat because memberships at Eddie had... Carlton, same lesson, they're all the allocated bays are 44 bays out of 144 bays. The government will want people to be spread all mm. over the ground. And the other thing is, if it's like the cricket, uh, forget about getting in on your membership, it's all tickets on phone. So do you think the penny's going to drop that clubs at Marvel won't take one cent in gay takings? Like your thoughts, mm. and is my logic wrong? And there'll be no... Uh, the only time away members will be allowed is if the original uptake to members is not taken up. Yeah, I think you. I think you made. There's a lot in that. I think you made some reasonable points. There's going to be frustrations. There absolutely there will people that miss out that don't deserve to miss out. But we got to think where we were this time last year, or you know, a few weeks away from being at this time last year, when no one was there, and how bad that was. It's going to feel like there's two hundred thousand in the house when there's fifty there for round one. So I think we need to take the positives out of it, uh, albeit with the big frustrations that's going to hit a lot of supporters who are just desperate to go and see their teams play. Ben's on the Gold Coast. Hey, Benny, which subscriptions do I need to keep and which ones do I need to scrap? I think your list is a little bit short, Kane, mate. Oh, what have I missed? You've missed Twitch. You've missed YouTube subscription, mate. You've missed Xbox Park. On ECN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Three minutes past 11. Hello and welcome to you. Plenty in the first couple of hours and even more coming up very, very shortly. In fact, he's ready to go in a moment. Kao Toomey is at the practice match between the Demons and Richmond. The big news just breaking is that the AFL has released their crowd capacities for the early parts of the season. 50%, 50,000 the MCG, just a touch under 29,000 at Marvel. A lot of you pointing out some very good information that... If you go through the round one fixture, Saturday, March the 20, 20th, Essendon are playing Hawthorne at Marvel. That has to be moved. So that has to be moved to the MCG. We'll wait and see what the AFL has to say about that. If you then go to the round two games and you know, you've got Carlton and Collingwood at the MCG, that's fine. But if you look at St Kilda and Melbourne, Marvel on Saturday, March the 27th, that, that one has to be moved. Um, you know, even, even the Western Bulldogs and West Coast probably going to get, um, more than 29,000, but there's another one as well. The Carlton fans crying out to see their team. They're, they're playing Fremantle at Marvel on Sunday, April the 4th. 
that's almost got to be moved as well. Now, not usually a high-drawing game, but there will 100% be more than 29,000 Carlton fans that want to go and see their team play against Fremantle in round three. So the AFL will have a challenge on their hands also in that round, Essendon playing St Kilda at Marvel on Saturday, April the 3rd. A lot of these games will be under pressure to be moved to the MCG. We'll wait and see what the AFL has to say about that. A few uh, political journos sucking on Twitter as well that the AFL has jumped the gun from the announcement from the government. I mean, please, do we get caught up in minor details? The story had already broken um, and the AFL have released it. You wouldn't think there'd be too many complaints about that. Speaking of the AFL, Cal Toomey does his best work on afl.com.au and he joins us from the practice match between the reigning premiers and Melbourne. G'day to you, Cal. Hey, Kane. Not much of a crowd out here. There's probably about 40 fans around the fence uh, watching right? on, but if their Melbourne supporters, they'd be pretty happy with the last half an hour or so because Richmond uh, broke out to a bit of a lead in the second term, kicked four goals straight to open that quarter, but Melbourne's kicked the last four and have taken a six-point lead and we're a few minutes into the third quarter here. So following your, uh, your reports on Twitter, a host of big names out for the Ds. Who do they include? Yeah, there's a few missing for them, and that's probably one of the encouraging signs for their performance so far today and that they are, are missing a fair few names. Jake Melksham, uh, Jack Viney, Angus Brayshaw is not playing. We know Ben Brown will miss at least the start of the season with that knee injury. Sam Wiedemann not out there as well. Cosy Pickett's back home as well. Uh, Michael Hibbert's another one missing. So some real experience that's not out there, but some of the younger guys have played quite well. Charlie Sparko has been pretty vibrant. We know what a great player Christian Petrarca already is and what the season he put in last year, and he's carried that through today too. So an impressive performance, and another one I think Demon supporters would be pretty excited about is the development of Luke Jackson in the Ruck, who's teamed up really well with Max Gorn, who I think at this stage is probably best on ground in this clash so far. Does Jackson look physically ready to be able to hold down large portions of the ruck duty so Gorn can go forward whilst, you know, Melbourne's forwards, key forwards are on the sidelines? He's right in front of me right now. and Yeah, he does. Absolutely. He's probably refined his body shape a little bit after his second pre-season. It just looks more powerful, more athletic. He's getting around the ground pretty seamlessly and it's allowed Max Gorn to actually push forward and be a threat there. We know that uh, the injuries and stuff to, to Brown and Wiedemann suggest that they're going to have to do a, a bit of a makeshift forward line early in the season. The D's and Gorn's kicked two goals today. He probably should have kicked three or four, but his goal-kicking hasn't always been uh, no. up to scratch. But, uh, yeah, he's been a target down there, and Jackson's ability in the ruck certainly has allowed that to happen. Tom McDonald started forward? He did start forward. He's been pretty quiet, to be honest, but he's been working up and down the ground. Uh, and presenting an option for them. Another one who, yeah, clearly gives an opportunity now, given the injuries to to Brown and Wiedemann. At the other end, uh, Tom Lynch has been really strong throughout the game. His second quarter was impressive. Some of his work rate, which we know is a, a big part of his game, you know, every single week for the Tigers that's been on show here today and matched up occasionally with uh, his former Gold Coast co-captain, Stephen May, which is always an interesting battle. And, yeah, the Tigers... I think they broke out of the, the gates pretty well, but have been drawn back in over the last half an hour or so. What about the Tigers? Big, big names out there for them? Anyone uh, of note missing? Yeah, fair few. Uh, just uh, Daniel Rioli hurt his ankle last week in a practice game, so didn't quite get up for today. Dion Prestiard nursing that hamstring injury, so it's touch and go for round one. Kane Lambert still coming back from hip surgery 
over the off-season, so he's watching on today. Basha Hooli as well. A couple of youngsters have been given some opportunities today, and Damien Hart looks pretty happy and content with his group of younger Tigers coming through, and I think we'll see a bit of Hugo Ralph Smith today uh, and throughout the season off half-back. He's been groomed as a Basha Hooli replacement in the future. Really athletic can jump, a nice kick too, a ball-carrying player. He's traded some highlights today, as well as Will Martin, Another Martin wearing number 36. I think that's the number Dusty started his career in. The Queenslander, he's got a bit of a mullet too. So he's been playing in the, the midfield. And uh, I think the Tigers are pretty excited about what he can produce in his second year. So there's a couple of names that Tigers fans may not be aware of just yet, but could force their way into this uh, premiership side. Absolutely. Hey, we've gone into meltdown in the last couple of days because of this new rules. And it's dominated our show this morning. Talk back, people have all rung up to have their say. Has it had much of an impact from what you've seen today? This is the third game I've seen in three days, Kane. So I've watched the first one on Wednesday between the Bulldogs and Hawks, Essendon and Carlton yesterday, and this game today so far. And There hasn't been any 60-metre penalty paid today. There was one in each of the other two games. And I think that the benefit so far has been that, yeah, the clubs are using the corridor a little bit more. They're going for a few riskier kicks that might have otherwise been chopped off and some different laneways of, of ball movement have been opened up. So obviously clubs and, and coaching panels will correct that as well. They're, they're smart enough and savvy enough to work out ways to get around rules and to manipulate them. But so far, I think the AFL would be pleased with its impact and the players have adjusted really well to the man on the mark rule too. So I haven't seen any instances of it today just yet in terms of uh, any infringements. Hey, you were at the game also yesterday between the Bombers and the Blues. Big year, no excuses left for Carlton. You wouldn't imagine, and ball reports, they look pretty good. They were good, yeah. They, they were quick. Their ball movement off half-back was exciting. Uh, obviously, the inclusion of Adam Saad really changes their whole dynamic out of that part of the ground. And I guess the one question mark out of the game was you know, the injury to Harry Mackay with that ankle injury. Mm. Not too bad, though. I believe it's just a, a rolled ankle, which is a bit of a sigh of relief given some of the other injuries to their key forwards. But, yeah, there's a lot to like about the Blues. And Patrick Cripps looked big and physical and strong again. And Patrick Dow was another player. I think Carlton supporters would have been wrapped to see playing that sort of fashion. Just the power and the explosiveness that he used to have as a junior cane was back on show. He's probably missed that over the past couple of years. Yeah adjusting to AFL level, but yeah, top three pick, and top three pick for a reason. Every club would have had him in the top five of that year's draft, and I think yesterday showed why, because uh, if they can get him up and going, he might be one of the missing pieces in that midfield mix to help out a couple of the other bigger names. Hey, just a question on the number one and number two picks in the draft, Hugo Hagen and Phil Thorpe. Both haven't been included in sort of the AFL squads for their practice games so far. Phil Thorpe's going to line up for the Sample team against Port Adelaide tomorrow. I guess we expect key forwards to take a little bit of time, but do you think, you know, 10 games each, respectively, would be a good goal for those two? Yeah, I think that's a good number, actually, yeah. I watched um, Jamal Yugohagen play in the reserves game on Wednesday, and he did some exciting things. He jumped on a couple of heads, kicked a couple of goals. Still, I think he's a bit off in terms of his fitness and um, readiness for AFL level. He still he might jump in and out of the senior side for the Dogs this year, but uh, just won't be quite at that level consistently. And Phil Thorpe the same. Phil Thorpe's come in for uh, the Crows after an injury-interrupted season last year uh, with his groin and different issues and some other sort of fitness problems. So I think nurse him through. The other thing to consider with Jamari Hagen is he hasn't played for a year anyway. So even if he was coming off, 
his under-18 season, he might have had some, some backup form. But, of course, playing for the Oakley Chargers last year meant not playing any footy last year in Victoria. Mm. So there's some adjustment periods that has to take on for that one too. Just a, another goal there from Christian Petrarca has extended uh, the Melbourne lead out to 14 points midway through the third term. So good signs for the day so far today. Great update from you, mate. We appreciate it. No worries, Ken. Kao Toomey joining us there. Petrarca could be the best player in the game by the end of the year, couldn't he? Like, that's not that's not unrealistic. I think that would be, you know, he's tracking every bit the way Dustin Martin probably was at the end of that 2016 season. Not saying he's going to be dusty, but uh, he's, he's, he's tracking to be an absolute superstar of the game. Uh, just following along on Twitter, the game has started down at GMHBA Stadium between Collingwood and Geelong. Uh, Cats fans, get up and about because um, another great reporter from AFL.com.au is a Geelong man, Mitch Cleary. He's just tweeted this. Jeremy Cameron kicks the first goal inside 90 seconds. He started 30 metres out from goal with Hawkins in the square. Clark and Menegola on the wing for the Cats, the starting centre bounce. Stanley Dangerfield, Guthrie, Parfit. Um, and just an issue with Zach Tui, perhaps, who may have got an injury in the warm-up. He's gone down the race, taken the strapping off, and doesn't look like he will take part in that game. But uh, Cats fans, Jeremy Cameron off to a flying start. Dangerfield's there. They're playing the Crows in round one. Uh, that could be that could be really ugly um, for the Adelaide fans, unfortunately. Now, Dan Andrews is set to speak at 11.30 Melbourne time. What he is going to say, as we know, because the AFL have released it, that crowds... Um, the figures are out, 50,000 um, for crowd capacity for the early stages to the AFL season. And a lot of you are confused as to why they would still have any games at Marvel between two Victorian sides, considering that there could be 21,000 more attend at the MCG if they just switch that game. So we'll wait for the AFL to speak, and that will be clarified, you would think, in the coming days. Um but right now, uh, let's get to our Bet Deluxe update with Paul Sebastiani. On ECM, the captain's run with Kane Corns. 21 minutes past 11 o'clock. We've uh, discussed a lot of things this morning, and right now there's lines available, one 736 736 If you want to have your say on on anything, any sporting topic that got your attention, you can take the show in any direction that you'd like, including the crowd figures. Now, the AFL Executive General Manager of clubs, Travis Ald, will be speaking. He's going to speak at 12 o'clock, so all the heavy hitters are speaking in relation to this decision that's been made on crowds. Daniel Andrews is going to speak at 11.30, so very, very shortly. He's going to speak about a lot of things, but no doubt included in that will be the crowd figures. Uh, MCG, 50,000. Marvel Stadium, just a tick under 29,000. And it's going to be a welcome sight having crowds back in Victoria. Are you going to go nuts? Let let, let me know. Like, are you you going to lose it? Are you going to lose your mind? A bit of talk about booing at the Australian Open. I... I'm not, a, I'm not a booer. I don't really understand it. But if you pay your ticket to the footy and you're respectful and all that and you, you, you understand the boundaries, I don't, don't really mind what you do. You've got every right to do that. But um, it'll be a, a pretty good day uh, when that happens. I think it's a big year for a lot of people, a lot of individuals. Um, I uh, listen to a lot of podcasts these days and um, I was listening to the, the Bill Simmons podcast again and he was speaking about the... Um, 
NFL season, which is upcoming, and he spoke about the individuals that are just are out of excuses. So, so he called, he named this segment, um, no excuses left or something, something like that. And I thought, well, there'd be a few AFL figures that are out of excuses. Like it, we, I want to get your thoughts on this. 0433981116. Who's run out of excuses in our game? Like who, who, None left. There are no excuses left. This is it. So make it happen. Can be an individual, can be a team, um, can be an administration. It can be the AFL. It can be the umpires. I don't care. Who is out of excuses now? one 736 Simon Goodwin's out of excuses. None left. Goody, I, I know Ben Brown's injured. I know it. I know Wiedemann's injured, but there's no excuses left. You've revamped your coaching structure. You've done documentaries. You've got the big fitness guru, Darren Burgess, in. You've recruited heavily. You've got some elite draft picks coming through. You've got Stephen May. You've got Jake Lever. There's nothing left for Simon Goodwin. This is it. He's out of excuses. Joe Danaher's out of excuses. Injured, talented, uh, left Essendon, gone to Brisbane, new club. Powerful club now, great list, great midfielder. No, no excuses left for Joe. So Joe Danaher, you are out of excuses. Luke Beveridge is out of excuses. 2016, his record since then, he's under 50%. It's been really ordinary. Adam Trelaw comes in. Um, squad's ready to go. Stack, some saying the best midfielder in the competition. Luke Beveridge, you are out of excuses. None left. one 736 736 Have your say. And let me know who has no excuses left. Darren's in Sorrento. He joins me. Daz, welcome. Welcome, mate. I just want to say uh, what a great show it was today. Um, I look forward to Fridays. And uh, the only problem with the show is you made me late for work, mate, because I didn't want to get out of the car. Listen to the feedback from all the public. It's just keep it up, mate. It's great. Good, good on you, mate. And appreciate that. Often you get the the negative feedback. It's always nice to to hear positive feedback. Appreciate it and appreciate your support. Nick's on the line. Hey, Nick, who's out of excuses? Yeah, good day, mate. Um, I'm a Carlton man, so I've got three for us. Obviously, the team in general. Um, I think we finally recruited well. Bit of a destination club. Uh, I think Charlie Kerno's got to pull his finger out. I know he's had the injuries, but. Um, yep. And finally, our Andrew Russell, whoever it was, who came from Hawthorne, was going to be our saviour and make sure that we were all ready to go or whatever. But all we seem to do is cop injuries. There's a few. There's a few. There's a few Carlton fans, and I I, I see the feedback. Uh, I take note of it, and they're hard on Andrew Russell. So he's good. He. I'm. I'm telling you, Andrew Russell for Carlton will be worth the investment. And I, I know there's been some frustrating injuries, none more so than Kerno, and they haven't been able to get him right. How much of that is the club's fault? How much of that is on the individual? I would say 80% is on the individual, but I'm telling you, Andrew Russell, is worth the investment. So Carlton fans, just hold just hold firm on your opinions early days. He will be one of the biggest assets to that football club. But you're right, none left. Carlton, out of excuses. Scotty, I think you're thinking the same thought. Hey Kane, how are you? Good, mate. Yeah, we're out of excuse, out of excuses, mate. This mm. is um, this is the year. I mean, there, there is dead, dead set no excuses anymore, Kane. If we don't, I mean, I expect us one hundred percent to make top eight and possibly top four. I'm not saying that we will, but we're a chance, especially with the new rule. But there is no excuses. None left for Carlton, and I think a good result, a, a very. You know, 
a par result, or perhaps a perhaps it's a birdie, is to win a final. Pars to make finals for the Blues. Golfing terms, you know, Terry Wallace's old footy golf, which he did for so long, and I loved it. Um, a, a par result for the Blues to make finals. Birdies to win one. Anything else is is an absolute bonus. But you're right. No more excuses for the Blues. That's it. They've run out. Sparney is in Croydon South. Who's out of excuses? Uh, the Essendon Football Club, mate, from the president to the bootstutter, to be quite you frank, think? because right. that, well, they haven't won a final for 16-odd mm. years. Mm. And, uh, look, mate, Worstfold was an unmitigated disaster, I'm afraid. Um, everyone said, oh, he done a great job when he come in, you know, with all the turmoil and all that. Mate, they were 10 goals down against Geelong, and they were t- cracking jokes. I mean, you're kidding mm. me. Mm. I mean, I, I'm not... I mean, come on, where's the super competitive spirit that, you know, from from years gone by. I mean, I'm fed up, mate. I mean, I'm, I've been a lifetime. My uncle's played for Essendon, mate. And I'm just, uh, you know, I'm on the verge of just dumping them and dumping AFL because I, I just, I'm, I'm sick of it, mate. They've had Essendon. Essendon out of excuses. There you have it. I I don't know what a I don't know what a pass score for the Bombers is. It's a that's a, a tough one just because of the turnover of the list and where they're at. What, what's a they're not look. I don't expect them to play finals, so it can't be a pass score to play finals. But we'll wait and see. No more excuses, says Sparney on the Bombers. Greg, ha, I like this. He's going to veer away from footy. Greg, who's got no excuses left? Cornsy, I'm going to be real brief, mate. But I reckon after that last. Bloody test series. Tim Payne has got absolutely no excuses whatsoever. But my main agenda is today, Tomic and Kyrgios have got absolutely no excuses just for being human beings. Done. Done. That's it. Tim Payne, Kyrgios, Tomic are out of excuses. one 736 736 if you want to have your say on that. Very shortly, we'll get the latest news headlines from Meredith Gibbs, but uh, Daniel Andrews is about to speak also. So as news drops on anything that you need to know, Meredith will be all over it in the news, expecting some easing of restrictions and him to announce 50% crowd capacity for round one of the AFL season. Let's catch up with the news. On SEN, the captain's run with Kane Corns. Yeah, when uh, Dan Andrews starts speaking about the AFL stuff, we, we might hear a little bit from that. I'm not sure anyone's too interested in the other stuff that he's got to say just at the moment. Um, we'll get to your call shortly. Charlie and Dan want to have their say. Lots of temper texts coming through for a mattress like no other. Who's out of excuses? Uh, G'day, Kane. No excuses left for Jordan Ngoi. Been patchy since a breakout 2010. Shopped himself around. Pies have been faithful and retained him. Time to repay that faith and become far more consistent. Your thoughts, says Frank. I couldn't agree more, Frank. I, I reckon you are spot on. You want a million bucks? You're having a set shot from 20 metres out? Don't miss. No excuses left for Jordan to go. From what I've seen during the preseason, he's he's fit and perhaps he's realised that, but it's a, a really good call. Um, Jono from Ascot Vale says, great call on beverage. Too much skateboarding, not enough coaching. He's out of excuses. Port Adelaide, lost a home prelim, had an armchair ride to a flag, Hinkley Boak, Wines Grey, no excuses like last year. Perhaps a touch harsh 
on Port Adelaide. Um, lots coming through, though. We'll get to more of those shortly. We'll take a call or two. Who is out of excuses this year? Charlie is in Gardenvale. Who's out of excuses? Chris Scott and Geelong. Really? No, one in ten years they won, and he doesn't he doesn't whinge, but he, he he doesn't make excuses, but he denigrates the opposition by when he loses, say to Richmond, they're no good, they're not as good as Hawthorne, they're not as good as this. He so he 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 is making excuses, and he's loaded up now. There is no more excuses. Good on you, Charlie. He, even though he's got a winning percentage of. I don't know, 74, 73%. No excuses. I do love footy fans. Uh, <laughs> Geelong fans complaining about recent um, premiership success and saying one in 10 years. Imagine saying to Saints fans, well, we'll give you we'll give you one in the next 10 years. Guaranteed. Gu- guaranteed to win one in the next 10 years. Essendon, haven't played finals for 16 years. You are guaranteed to win a flag in the next. I mean, I'll take, I'll, as a Port Adelaide fan, I'll take one more in my lifetime. Like a, a premiership. There's some greedy fans out there, you Hawthorne people. Richmond, I'm looking at you, Geelong. Uh, Dan's on the line. Who's out of uh, excuses, Dan? Oh, g'day, Kane. Yeah, I, I do find it funny when Geelong supporters or Hawthorne supporters <laughs> call up and say they're starved of success. One in ten years, supporter. he said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So try 1964, mate, whoever oh, that was. Oh, my goodness. Um, the Demons, I'm just calling, you probably mentioned them already, but I've got to pile in on the Ds. They've got a very good midfield, some elite midfielders. They've got, they've picked up Lever, May, Ben Brown, coach in his third year. They've, they've got to produce this year, and I just hope they aren't looking at a little excuse for the first half of the season with a couple of key forwards out. There are no excuses. None. There's none left. I don't care if Ben Brown's out. You took the risk. You knew he'd played, I don't know, eight games last year and was injured. You took the risk on that. No excuses there. Don't give me Wiedemann. He's been a frustrating player for a long time. He's not going to be the difference between these playing finals or not. None left. Ben Brown isn't an excuse. Wiedemann's not. That's it. There's none more left. one 736 736 have you say on that. Now, the AFL media release, for those that are interested, the AFL has welcomed the Victorian state government decision to endorse 50% crowd capacity of the MCG in Marvel for the AFL matches to begin the season. The largest crowd capacity allowances at a sporting event in the state since the pandemic first hit last year. Commencing Thursday, March the 17th, the MCG can host up to 50,000 patrons. That's 50% capacity. This date is the opening night of the 2021 AFL season. Richmond taking on Carlton, da-da-da-da-da. And commencing Thursday, March the 4th, Marvel can host up to 28,291. The date coincides with the opening match of the Amy Community Series as Carlton and St Kilda face off at 7.10. Chief Executive Gillan McLaughlin, he welcomed the announcement. On behalf of the AFL, I'd like to thank the Victorian State Government, specifically Daniel Andrews, Minister for Tourism and Sport Major Events, Martin Pakula, and Minister for Health, Martin Foley, for working uh, with us and allowing fans to get back to the footy. There were some reports that I've just I've, I've seen, it may have been Tom Brown on Twitter, said that Gill was pushing for 75%. Uh, crowd capacity, which would have been great, but this seems like a reasonable compromise. Footy fans of Victoria have been excited about getting back to matches, and if we've seen with great numbers across the opening rounds of the AFLW season, we haven't had footy crowds this big in Victoria since the match to support 
bushfire relief way back in February last year. Our team has been working extensively behind the scenes, planning for multiple scenarios, and all of our venues will be ready to welcome fans back in the stands next month. Ticketing details will be released in coming days with club members prioritised. Travis Ald is going to speak this morning, and I'm sure there'll be a good journalist out there that says, well, Travis, you can get 50 at the MCG, you can only get 28 at Marvel. What happens in round one when Hawthorne are playing Essendon at Marvel? Surely you're moving that game, I would have thought. Uh, In the practice game between Melbourne and Richmond, it is the Demons, who are out of excuses, leading by 13 points, 32 minutes into the final quarter. It can't be 32 minutes into the final quarter, Brooksy, or is it? Is that how long that quarter's gone for? Jeez, footy's back to normal length. Nearly the end of the final quarter. So nearly full time in that match, Melbourne going to have a pretty pretty good win. Haven't played the quiz yet. one 736 736 I haven't even seen the theme for the quiz, but why don't we do that next? one 736 736 You want to play the quiz? Great prize to give away, particularly for you beer drinkers out there. Line up, we'll do the quiz next. On SEN, the captain's run with Cane Corns. 13 minutes to 12 o'clock, and we'll hear from Dan Andrews shortly. We'll also um, hear from Brendan Gale, who has had his say on crowd capacity. We'll do that shortly, but just... um, Further restrictions eased across Victoria today. Um, can now have 30 people in your house, uh, maximum 100 at an outdoor gathering. Workforce has returned to 75% capacity. You must carry your mask always, and you have to wear it in supermarkets, shopping centres, large retail stores, cabs, and hospitals. So pre-Christmas uh, restrictions back um, to where they were pre-Christmas, I should say, in Victoria, which is good news, and as I said, 50% allowed at the footy. Time to take a call or two as well before we leave, but right now, let's do the quiz. Now, it's time for Chad's Brothers Quiz. Just a random quiz today, no theme, but we've got great prizes. That never changes. 18 holes of golf for two, thanks to Club Mandalay, must play course in Melbourne's north, and also four tickets to the Melbourne Beer Festival. Uh, That's happening in St Kilda for the winner of the quiz today. Random quiz. Let's get to Andrew in Sunshine. He's going to kick us off. Welcome to you, mate. Okay, how you going? Which team is on top of the NBL ladder? Uh, That will be Melbourne. Yep, that would be Melbourne. I was a bit flat last night, uh, taking on the Adelaide 36ers with a pathetic performance from my sixes in the first quarter. Came back and made it a contest, but uh, too good, Melbourne. They're going to be tough to beat. Question number two for you, my man, is the V8 supercar season begins this weekend. Which track are they racing at? Uh, is that Bathurst? It is. It would usually be in Adelaide. Hang on. That's right, isn't it? Johnny? Yeah, that's right. That's right. It, it would usually be in Adelaide, but the government, the Liberal government over here, sacked it, which is a disgrace in itself. Hey, you're flying, Andrew. Question number three. David King returned to the Waitley program yesterday. Who was his surprise tip for the Brownlow medal? Uh, any clues, Kane? I didn't see it. Nah, well, you would. The, the clue is only midfielders with the brown low, so it's got to be a midfielder. Have uh, a guess. Fonte Pelli. Fonte Pelli. 
wasn't gone to Pelly. Let's go to Big Man. He's back. The Big Man Geelong is back. Welcome. Yeah, it's Kato. How you going, son? I'm good. I'm good. I thought you might be down at that uh, Geelong practice game. Nah, mate. We hate the cats, remember? We hate the cats. Men are, goal. Men are goal is dominating. Yeah, he will be. <laughs> David King <laughs> returned to the Waitley program yesterday. Who does he think is going to win the Brownlow? I can't stand this slog, Kingy, the over-analyst. Ah, oh, that's harsh. Let's go with Menegola. <laughs> It wasn't, it wasn't Sammy Menegola, but thanks, big man. Good to reacquaint myself with you again. Good contributor to the show, the big man is. Uh, Mick is on the line playing the quiz. G'day, Mick. G'day, Kane. How are you, mate? Who's Kingy's tip for the Brownlow? Uh, I did hear that, actually. Yesterday, Matt Rowell. Yeah, what'd you think of it? What'd you think of that? Uh, well, as Kingy said, he, in his, what, four or five games, he got about three or four best on ground, so... Mm. Yeah, so I oh, look. I, I wouldn't be. I don't know. Be a huge effort to win the Brownlow in his second year, but look, he's a gun. It'd be good to see him. I, I don't. I, I couldn't see him win the Brownlow, but oh, yeah, I did. Yeah, I, do, I can see the logic behind it. Be one of the greatest achievements ever. I would have thought. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, we'll I wait and see. Question number four. Win the rising star. In your first year, yeah. Well, he'll win the Rising yeah. Star. Not sure, yeah, it'd be a stretch to win the Brownlow. We'll see. How many runs did Marcus Stoinis make for the Aussies in their T20 loss against New Zealand last night? Uh, oh, I did see the game. Was it 95? It wasn't 95. That would have been enough to get the Aussies over the line. They just lost. It wasn't 95, but thank you to you, Mick. Uh, that must be Andy, who's uh, next. Good day to you, Andy. Uh, give him a give him a cross, Johnny. He's got to you got to be ready. You got to be alert. You want to play the quiz? You got to be ready on your toes and and ready to go. Like Alan in Bentley is. Good day, Alan. Oh, good day. Uh, is it in the eighties? Uh, it wasn't in the eighties. Uh, what I will do. That's the wrong answer. What I will do. I will go within five runs. I'll give you five runs leeway. Daniel is in Mornington. Hi, Daniel. Hello, mate. Um, I'll say seventy-eight. And you would be correct. You didn't even need the, the leeway. He made 78 exactly. Uh, for the win, Daniel, in Mornington, how many points did St Kilda beat North Melbourne by in their scratch match yesterday? Ah, shit. I didn't say that. Was it 89? It wasn't 89, unfortunately. You were you were really close. and it was, a, it was a good guess. Jason's on the line. For the win, how many points did St Kilda beat North Melbourne by in their scratchy yesterday? G'day, Kane. It was 91. It was 91. There you go. Easy as that. For tickets to the Melbourne Beer Festival, you're a beer drinker, Jace? I am, mate. Good. You'll love that. You'll also love the uh, the golf as well at Club Mandalay. Must play golf course in Melbourne's north. I'll put you back to uh, Brooksy. Uh, let's hear from the Victorian Premier, Daniel Andrews, on the AFL crowds ahead of the season. I'm also very pleased to be able to confirm, I'm sure you've seen reports from the AFL, uh, that we will move uh, to 50% capacity at the MCG. That's obviously 50,000 people, just under 29,000 people at Marvel Stadium. Uh, we will soon have announcements to make in relation to uh, GMHBA Stadium. Uh, there's just some final work being done on that to get that number to the highest level that is safe. Uh, that's great news as the footy season, the uh, AFL footy season, is uh, obviously starting quite soon. 
So that's it. Official. Uh, no surprises there. Was he a bit? Was he a bit flat there, Dan? Andrew? I don't know. Maybe I try and read too much into the little signals he gives. But as you would have heard by the AFL, was it? Was he flat that the AFL released it before he did? I don't know. I just sense he he may have been a little bit disappointed by that. Anyway, we got there in the end. Brendan Gale. CEO of the Richmond Footy Club, best in the business, has had his say. He was doing some commentary. Well, he was interviewed as part of the commentary with their practice game happening right now against Melbourne. He was asked about the figure of the crowds this year. Yeah, it's wonderful news. Uh, you know, like most in the AFL community, we've um, things have changed by the day in terms of crowd forecasts and, and restrictions, etc. So uh we're pretty conservative in our outlook uh, not that long ago but to have that number confirmed yeah for fans to get back to 50 you know thousand at the g it's wonderful um it's going to be a proud moment for us we've got the opportunity to unfurl two flags and now yep. with that with that amount of people there in attendance we'll be pressing ahead with our plans to doing that we Great. wouldn't have done that in front of say 10,000. Yep. so um look but most important it's great for the entire afl community um to get our fans, our members and fans back at the footy. It's um, it's a cause for excitement and optimism. There you go. Absolutely it is. And exciting for the Richmond fans. It's a good problem to have. When are we going to release our two flags? When are we going to unfurl our two flags, not just one? So uh, great news there for that. Uh, Dan Andrews also spoke further on the restrictions that have been eased today. Uh, we had... Uh, those COVID safe summer settings, we'd lock them in and we can from midnight tonight return to those settings. Um, that's a testament to the fact that Victorians have proven as stubborn as this virus. Uh, we've proven ourselves, all of us, in the sacrifices we've made, the decisions we've made and the conduct that we've exhibited uh, equal to this to this task. Uh, this is by no means over. There's a lot, lot to go. We've got to get everybody vaccinated. That's going to take months and months. There's no alternative to that. Uh, but it is an absolute testament to the conviction uh, and the, the character of the Victorian community that we can make these decisions tonight, uh, effective from midnight tonight. There you go. Good news. Uh, I, I always shudder when he gets up and speaks. Usually bad news. This time, good news. So that is good news. 0433981116. You can have your say on that. Just catching up with what's happening between Melbourne and Richmond at the moment with about 10 or so minutes to go. Melbourne leading Richmond by 11 points. And in the trial game down at uh, GMHBA, which saw, um, just getting Mitch Cleary's Twitter feed up in front of me at the moment because he is all over it, giving blow-by-blow -blow accounts of what's happening in that game. Uh, Jeremy Cameron kicked the first goal. He started forward. Um, he reckons that the Collingwood defence is looking a lot better with Jeremy Howe, and they've had uh, plenty of traffic in the early stages. The Cats at quarter time led 25-7 to seven goal kickers. Cameron, Evans, Joel Selwood and Hawkins for the Pies only had one goal kicker. That was uh, Brody Mycheck. He knows where the goals are. But start of the second quarter, a couple of goals for Collingwood, Hoskin Elliott and Jamie Elliott. A lot of Elliotts there got on the end of it. Um, Josh Jenkins, he's a forgotten man, isn't he? Josh Jenkins is rotating forward and in the ruck for the Cats. Radagalia yet to be cited as well for that game there. But um, Dwayne Russell is up next, been dominating, uh, played a bit of his snippet this morning on SENSA in relation to the news out of Port Adelaide that he broke on his show about the prison bars. Dwayne O, welcome to you. Thanks for stopping by. Volcano, great to be with you as well. I've been sitting here watching these two trial games side by side, uh, trying to keep an eye on both and uh, listen to a bit of the commentary of both, trying to work out who is and isn't playing 
in both. Um, Geelong's been a very slow game in comparison to the others I watched yesterday and Port Adelaide's trial game last week. Reece Stanley's injured an elbow in that Cats game as well, so uh, he's been their number one ruckman this whole game, but now he's coming off with an elbow injury that looks fairly serious, so... There hasn't been too many injuries out of the other game, Richmond-Melbourne, which has been a good game to watch as well. But uh, there might be one out of the Cats-Collingwood game. We'll keep people in touch with that. What's on the show today, mate? Uh, we're going to be talking crowds, obviously, with 50% uh, crowd allowed back. So uh, hopefully we'll have a chat to Martin Pakula about that. Neil Baum is going to join me as well. Uh, talk Richmond after this trial game. We'll talk to one of the Cats who are coming off the ground about their trial game as well. So it's very much trial game centric. We'll also have a chat to Supercar CEO Sean Seema. Should there be a street race in Adelaide again, Kane? Yes, absolutely there should be. Absolutely. Dwayne, I look forward right. to it, mate, being dominating. We'll tune in um, after 12 o'clock. Dwayne's World from 12 after 12 News with plenty on the radar for him. Thank you for your company today. Been a really busy show. I loved it. Thanks for all your suggestions with my fitness and my latest injury setbacks. Doesn't happen without you, and I appreciate it. We'll do it all again from 9 o'clock on Friday. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi finals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply.